And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Louise Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. James... It is a cold, rainy, snowy Friday morning in Toronto. It kind of probably, not kind of, it suits the mood, I think, probably for most Leaf fans after Game 5. What the hell's going on outside? And for the Leafs. What's going on, Jonas? The, like, it was like 31 degrees. Climate change is real, man. <laughs> That's what my wife said. And yeah, I got, I got home from the game last night at whatever time it was, and I was like, it's going to be like 4 degrees tomorrow. And she said, she said climate change. So, um, yeah, I don't know. So, but it's good. You know, both the air conditioner and the heater can get a workout in the same week. That's, that's what everyone wants in life, right? That's what you want. That's definitely what you want. All right. So today's show, we're going to look ahead to game six. We'll obviously look back at game five, which did not end the way the Leafs wanted it to. We'll talk about Alex Galchenyuk. Um, we'll get into some of the changes that we outlined in a story on The Athletic today, Friday, uh, that people can check out. Um, and we'll just talk about the the game in general and, and the series and how things stand. But let's, and I should mention, we'll do the pod bag. Uh, but let's start with um, the giveaway in overtime. It's just a, it's just not a, a good decision. I, I don't know that it needs much more analysis than that. Like he just... Alex Galchenyuk just makes a play you can't make at any time, let alone in overtime of a decisive playoff game. Yeah, I would call that uh, a Galchenyuk. Eh? I guess that's not that's not enough. Right. That's not enough of a pun. Right. You can't see that with a. What about Galchenchuk it up the middle? Eh? Well, maybe we'll insert the crickets again. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm actually surprised that Galchenyuk hasn't had more mistakes like that. Like that, that's been the problem with him in the NHL is that the kind of the decision making and not making a safe enough play. And 
it's the Leafs ha- have not been burned by him that much, especially playing him as high in the lineup as they have and as many minutes as they have. And I mean, he, they've gotten a lot of the benefits of him, you know, the, the passes that he made on uh, game four, right, with the goals. There were a lot of Ottawa Senators fans were tweeting my tweet about how, how the Leafs rebuilt his passing after after that overtime uh, play. Um but you know what? It doesn't get to overtime if the Leafs play better in, earlier in the game. So you know, it's it's this game wasn't entirely on Galchenyuk. Oh, that was a really really stupid play. And um, Jonas, do you think that Galchenyuk there will be any kind of ramifications for him, like on the lineup or anything like that? You and I were talking about that after the game. I, I and I think you you made the point when I asked you, like, could you possibly like do you possibly scratch him? Because I'm not sure. I totally agree with your. Um, summation that he hasn't cost them because I think he actually has. If you look at a lot of the defensive numbers, the goals against when he's been on the ice, it, it's it's not been good. And there's a reason like he wasn't in the lineup for game Just one. Just not glaringly so. Like it, he hasn't. No, he I hasn't, guess that's true. He hasn't been the goat. He hasn't been the person. And that's what was happening in some of the other places that he's played is that he just wasn't. He, he, but this was like. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but James, like this was like kind of like a red flag that, that was kind of on low alert that I kept trying to sneak in whenever I talked about Galchenyuk, like this is, this is part of the conversation. It was part of the conversation. You brought it up that, that his decision-making at times is not great, but you're right. Um, it's not just on him as for whether he sticks in the lineup. I just don't know twofold. It, it doesn't look like Nick Foligno's ready. So the question is, who are you putting in? And then where are you going to get the potential offense that he can give you if you take him out, because like, again, like who, who are you putting in? So let's say you put in Riley Nash, Riley Nash is not giving you anything like that. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you, do you keep Galchenyuk in? We'll get to the lineup in a second. Let's talk about the start. It it just kind of seemed like the way you would mostly expect a, a start like that to be a team that's season is on the line, comes out really hard and feisty. happens all the time. Full of, Right, it does, and and the Leafs just weren't sharp. Most series go to six games, you know, or yeah. seven games. You know, the number of series that end in four or five is is pretty small. It's I think it's only like thirty five percent of series do so, or thirty percent of series. It's it's a really low number. Um, you know, and and you and I have been saying this. I mean, I think people, I think some people in Toronto have under underestimated Montreal. I'm not sure about that. Well, I mean, they've beat them. I mean, I picked the series in five games. Like, I do not. I know, I didn't think Montreal was very good to start the season. Well, and then they got off to that. Part, part of Montreal being good is that Carey Price has been excellent. Yes. He's been, like, he's made some saves there. Like, like ho- he's made some holy shit saves, you know. Yes. Including in game five. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, you know, he's, some of the, some of the saves, he's just, he, he'll, you know, he'll stare down a player one-on-one that has the puck and, and he's just. He, he looks great. I mean, it's it's hard to believe. You know, we've we've talked about this on on the podcast in the past, but it's hard to believe that how different Carey Price's numbers are. Yeah, when you look at the regular season in the playoffs, like it doesn't that doesn't really make logical sense. But it's it's a thing. Well, can I give you a, a parallel in a different sport? There's a, a player. I don't know if you've heard of him, Rajon Rondo, um, who is a point guard and. He has this reputation. They call him Playoff Rondo because, like, in the playoffs, his game just kind of goes to another level. And in the regular season, he's just kind of, eh. He's like, he was once, like Price, one of the better players in the league. He won a championship with Boston. And in the playoffs, like, he just has this reputation of being 
elite, like raising his game, like including for the Lakers last year and winning a championship. And it, it kind of feels a little bit the same with Price, where as much as like his regular season numbers were were not good, you kind of expected this. Like you don't expect him to not be this, you know? I remember there used to be talk about Danny Briere kind of that way because he was, I think he was the only guy mm. in the NHL whose uh, playoff points per game was significantly better than his regular season points per game. And he, he had had all of, remember back when, when Buffalo was good and, and, and oh, yeah. with Philly, that Briere had had all of these really, really strong postseasons. Well, I think it's a perfect segue for our quote of the week. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? Okay. This was after the game. We haven't, yeah, we haven't seen anything like like that from Jake Muzzin in a in a media availability before. Uh, that's not true. We've seen this. Like I what, have a vague, one word a very strong. Yeah, I have a very strong memory of you. Uh, you were not the game because it was in where was it? It was in Jersey, I believe. And it was last year. It was when things were not going well, and they had a poor game. I believe it was in Jersey or maybe it was a No, it was against the Islanders uh, in that building Barclays. Um, and he was very like this terse and kind of annoyed and angry. And you can understand that he scores twice. They lose. They have to play another game. Um, so this is Jake Muzzin after game five, after his two goal game, after the Leafs dropped the game in overtime. Uh, Jake, your team's had a more active uh, role from the defense in terms of generating points. Uh, figure that's going to be uh, one of the things that turns the game on uh, on Saturday. You guys keep that up? Yeah. Lance, do you have a follow-up? Yeah, what's the mood in there tonight, Jake, after a uh, good comeback and obviously falling short? It'll be, we'll be all right. Next up, we'll go to Kevin McGrand, Toronto Star. Go ahead, Kevin. Jake, what do you say to a teammate after uh, uh, who's had a rough night tonight uh, in terms of giveaways uh, to, to sort of rally and, and get ready for the next game? Yeah, quick memory. Forget about it. Learn from it. Move on. Get ready for tomorrow or the next game. And what do you think of the idea of playing uh, in front of fans on Saturday? It's something you haven't faced. Uh, be in Montreal's advantage, I presume. Yeah, it'll it'll be great no matter what. It'll be nice to to hear something. And last one here, we'll go to Mark Masters TSN. Go ahead, Mark. Jake, what do you think was missing early on in the game for you guys? Yeah, they they were desperate and and they won every battle and we didn't we didn't we weren't ready for it. Uh, we battled back, but. Not enough. What's the required mindset, do you think, in a couple nights? What's the, what do you see as the key to a bounce-back effort on Saturday? Yeah, we got to be hungrier earlier, for sure. So, obviously, he was not a happy person, understandably, James. I know I know some players in, in the Leafs dressing room, um, they, they they think of Jake Muzzin. You know, I, I, he doesn't doesn't necessarily wear a letter or whatever, but they think of him as one of, like, the real leaders on that team that, you know, over the, the time that he's been with, with them. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, if anything was was going to rally them and get them going, him scoring two goals and having that celebration that he did and everything, I, I thought that, you know, going in overtime, I thought the Leafs had a pretty good chance to win that game. And maybe they would have if Galchenyuk doesn't make the mistake early on there. Well, they were all over Montreal in the third. And that's like, that's some score effects. That's them pushing. That's the, the Matthews line dominating. Yeah, Arpin said that um, Montreal was going to. They, would, they were probably going to turtle, and there was going to be a big, a big push by the Leafs. So you know, it's the 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 talent dis- disparity there between the two teams really showed in the third period. So you know, I I don't know Toronto's. I, mean, I, I don't like you can't really say that's inexperience, right? Because like the Leafs should, you know, they've got so many guys that have been around the league for so long now. Like they should know that Montreal was going to push so hard early in the game. 
Yeah, but it's it's not like they're they're not aware. They're obviously aware of it. It's not like they want that to happen. It's just like shit happens in a game. Like there's a miscommunication or a bobbling of the puck between Rasmus Sandin and Joe Thornton. Boom, it's one nothing, and then boom, it's two nothing on like a, a couple like two nothing, three nothing scramble plays around the net. You know what I mean? Like the game can just kind of get away from you really fast when a team is is desperate like that. It's just like. I don't know. It's it's kind of human nature in some ways, I think. But the series obviously is not over. The Leafs are still in a good position. They're still leading the series 3-2. Game six is ahead on Saturday in Montreal. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's look ahead to the more optimistic side of things for the Leafs. They still just need to win one game. And obviously this game in Montreal is going to be unique. There will be fans in the building for the first time in a Canadian game all season. That should be interesting. Um, they're on the road, obviously. That's something. Um, but they're still the better team. This is this is still a series they should win. This is still a game they should win. Uh, you and I outlined some of the things that can be improved um, in them winning this game on Saturday. I think we, we should start with Matthews and Marner. I thought that line was pretty dominant. Um, in game five, they obviously got the goal from Zach Hyman, but you look... You know, five games into the series, Matthews and Marner have combined for one goal. And like shooting percentage is part of it. Like Matthews has had some looks. He's got 25 shots. He has one goal. But like they need those guys to produce. Like what, what have you seen from from that line and those two especially? I think that, that Matthews has been been solid. And I would say that Marner has been at best just okay. You know, it, it seems like... Yeah. Marner kind of fell into this in the Columbus series too, right? Where he's like over, yes. overthinking every play. And what we haven't seen is, you know, and I, I think they're related here. We haven't seen, it feels like Hyman is handling the puck a lot when that line's on the ice and is is, yeah. is the one making a lot happen. And it feels like Hyman is shooting the puck a lot when you would rather have Marner with an amazing play to set Matthews up like think of all the one-timers and all the all the times that, that they were given goes and things where where Marner set Matthews up like they're they're not getting any of those looks right now or creating any of those plays so you know I think that that's a credit to Philip Deneau who's played really well against that line but it's also I don't know I, I think they need more from Marner here you know and and I I think that um you know game six it's I, I think if they don't produce in Game Six, the heat is really going to be on on that line. They've had, they've had some strong moments overall. If you look at the numbers in the series, the line has spent a lot of time in in the offensive zone. Yeah. But um, I would say, you know, if if this they fritter this lead away and it goes to Game Seven, that and they're not a factor here in Game Six, that, that this is going to be a factor that this line wasn't more effective. Yeah. See, I struggle with you know whether they're that they're being contained by the Deneau line. Like, they're still at, like, 60% expected goals. They, like, territorially, they were all over them. I think the, the point you raised on Marner 
um, is bang on. It, it feels to me, and if I was Montreal, this would be how I would attack him, that he's forcing plays to Matthews. And if you're Montreal and you're defending, like, you know that that's his goal. Like, he's just going to try to get Matthews the puck every time he can. And if you know that, it's a little easier to defend. Obviously, teams knew that throughout the regular season. He still put up a crazy amount of points. Um, but he's just felt like he's forced plays and it hasn't been there. And and I, I do think... He had 20 goals, um, Jonas, in 55 games. Yes, like- that's... That's the forgotten part. Like, he was second on the team in goals behind Matthews. And with Tavares out, they need more guys to score. Like, you know, Hyman's really snake-bitten right now. Well, I, do, I don't think he looked like himself the first few games in the series, which makes sense, given the layoff. I thought he looked more like Zach Hyman in um, Game 5. I wonder if I wonder if they should have tried to get Hyman back into a regular season game instead of playing Frederick, Frederick Anderson in that one game, right? Like it was a cat. There was there were cap ramifications where they couldn't bring everyone back, and then obviously it it's I you know we don't know one hundred percent if he would have been ready, but it's it it just shows how hard it is to step into a playoff series. It's been a problem for Riley Nash. It's been a problem for Sandine. Yes. It's been a problem for Hyman. It's you know the whole idea with the cap situation that you can just have guys sit out the end of the regular season and just come back for the playoffs it can set you back to frame it as an advantage it, it requires more nuance because i'm not yes there is some advantage to it there's also some disadvantage to it but to your point about marner these are his shots on goal for each game game 1 five shots game 2 zero shots game 3 five shots game 4 one shot game 5 three shots and as you mentioned, he had 20 goals during the regular season. Like at some point, you can only rely on, you know, the Jason Spetzes and whoever to get you a goal every, what, five games, six games, whatever it is. How many shot attempts did Matthews have last night? Do you know? I have the sheet in front of me. One second. He had in all situations. Wow. Four. Yeah, it just didn't feel like Matthews. Like it, it felt. And how many did Hyman have? It felt like Hyman was sh- was having to shoot. Hyman led the team with seven, and he had the best looks. Like there was that yeah. after he scored. I mean, if you're the Montreal, you let him have the best looks all day, right? Yes, and he had six shots. Like he led the team in shots. Matthews finished with two shots. The players that seemed to have the most opportunities were Nylander and and Hyman last night. Yes, and so that that brings us into the second change. They were trying to to get Neander more ice time. They need to try harder. Uh, he played 17 minutes. He averaged about 16 and a half during the regular season. For comparison's sake, Zach Hyman played 23. Mitch Marner played 24 and a half. Austin Matthews played 24 and a half. Now, who would have thought, Jonas, if, that in the playoff series we'd be talking about Neander needs to play more? And I mean, he's been. Has he been their best player? That might be going too far, but he's certainly been one of their three best if, players. If he hasn't been their best player, I don't Campbell who has, like Campbell, maybe. Riley Riley's had a good James, series, hasn't been talked about a lot. Yes, Riley's Riley's, Riley's had was a good excellent series. last night. That he, would, he was. I agree with you. But okay, so these are the amount of shifts those guys played. Zach Hyman played twenty nine shifts. Mitch Martin played twenty nine shifts. Matthews thirty shifts. Nylander, 27 shifts. We're getting in the weeds here. He just took, We're getting in the weeds here, yeah, Jonas. The can, po- you, can you read the rest of the roster too? Yeah, I'll go through it one through Yeah, 18. I'm just going to go get a coffee uh, here. We- the point is, Nylander took shorter shifts, but I think what they were starting to do in that game 
they should look at more in game six. They were double shifting Neilander a lot because like, you know, you can only play Alex Galchenyuk and Alex Kerfoot so much. Like yeah. if you're, if you want to get William Nealander more ice time, it can't just be is there, pulling those guys up as well. Is there one of the lines, one of the third or the fourth line that makes sense to get Nealander on once in a while? Like, could you play him with Spezza well, a little bit in like a sheltered situation? Like that, that might. That's interesting because when he did double shift, Neander, he did it sometimes with Matthews and Hyman, Matthews and Marner. He also double shifted him with the third line, but you're right, actually, it would make more sense. I think Spezza looks pretty good, but his line mates, Thornton and no, Brooks, do not look are, are, they didn't have anything. But I think, you know, when Spezza, it's hard to it's hard to pick out a guy that's having a good game if his line mates are both having a bad game because you end up spending a lot of time in your D zone or whatever. But it just, Spezza looked like he was skating pretty well, he was making smart plays. And he just didn't have a lot of help. So I wonder if they they mix things up in the bottom six. Yeah. Or or do what you're saying, double shift Neander from time to time there, because you look at the ice time for those guys, like all of them are under ten minutes. Um and and rightfully so. Like they just didn't have a lot cooking. But one change that that I still don't understand why they haven't made, and they've gone to it a couple times, is why Joe Thornton is still on their top power play unit and William Nealander is not. Like it just it just doesn't make sense when he's been, if not your best player in the series, your second best player, and he's going. Um, he gives you another three shooting threat. Like I, I don't get. I that. think the answer is they want to have a second unit that's effective, and the second unit did score last night. You know, with the shot from you know they they want Nealander to be the engine of your second unit, but it it hurts you when you only you have one. They have one power play all game. I think there was only one. Yes. Um, like they went, but they did go one for one. So I, I, but I imagine if you ask Sheldon Keith that that the answer, and he's he's going to be talking to the media here in about an hour. So maybe Jonas will ask him that. But I imagine they want to have that second unit have at least some threats on it. But Nylander's been so good that you know it, it, the power play hasn't really been the problem in the series. No, but like if you're trying to find ways to to get him more opportunity like Joe Thornton played 119 on the power play William Nealander played 41 seconds like I just when he's going like this I, I, I just can't justify it that you're you need that second unit when I, I understand what you're saying it's it's valid they just they just need to find a way to get him more ice time because Tavares man as you if you had Tavares yeah as you pointed out in our piece like they you take out Tavares and then you take out Nick Foligno who's not an offensive weapon but like he's better than he's one of your guys nine got. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you got to find ways to get more Neilander. Um, let's move on to the next potential change, and that's the lineup. I think is it like a hundred percent that that Sandy comes out? I would in say game six? ninety-five. I mean, unless the dermatologist has a hangnail or something, I I don't see why he wouldn't come in. It was a tough game for him. Obviously, he turned the puck over twice. Both ended up in the back of the net. He played two shifts after the. Second goal and totaled six minutes. I, I, I mean, I understand why Sheldon Keefe wanted to get Travis Dermott in, but I don't think it was. Looking back, I, I'm not sure it was the right decision. Like I, I just think it, you're rattling the confidence of a of a kid. And I'm just not like, but it wasn't I'm just not sure it was his play it. or whatever that he came out. I mean, on it, after game one, you know, we were talking that Sandine should come out with the way that he played. And then game two, he was the hero. And then he plays game three and he's just, he's he not a full-time well. guy in the lineup right now. 
He's, you know, as, as we said, he's another guy that he didn't play a lot I, this year. I just don't think you can kind of herky-jerky it with, with a kid Ooh, like that. I, I, herky-jerky. I, I just don't I, – I don't I, – I think you got to be careful a little bit, James. Like, I understand during the regular season when you do stuff like that, when you, you're, you're kind of looking ahead and you're saying, well, I'm going to need this guy at a certain point. Let's try this line combination because maybe we'll need it. I don't think you can do, you can or should do that in the playoffs. Like, I just – and and I don't, who knows? Like, is that the reason Sandine had a rough game? Who knows? You think he was galaxy braining it, basically. Yeah, I do. You think he was overthinking things? I think that's been something like in this series. It hasn't really hurt, and I think some of the moves he's made have worked out. So you give him credit for that. But I I think that's one where you're overthinking it, and and it hurts them. Like whether that's the reason why he had a rough game, or he's just a kid who hasn't even played half a season. I think it's I think it's inexperience. I think I think it's inexperience. Could be. Um, so, are there any other changes you would make to the lineup besides Sandine coming out and Dermot going in? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I think I would look at changing the lines on the bottom six. I think I would take Brooks out. Okay. Um, I guess to, I guess your only what? option to come in if Felino is not ready is Nash. So, but I, it's debatable to me whether Brooks has been any better than Nash. I haven't seen a lot from Brooks. I would just trust Nash in a game like this more than I would Brooks. So you just create like an ultra defensive line. I really like the way Engvall and McKay play have played defensively. And then if you want, maybe you just play Nash on that line if with with Engvall and McKay if they're in the defensive zone. And if they're in the offensive zone, you double shift someone else. You put Nylander there or Spezza there. Yeah, that's a good point. Because the problem is Spezza, Thornton, Simmons hasn't looked good. And so... If you're putting Nash in, you're putting him on that defensive line. Or, like, you could have him center uh, Spezza and Thornton. The problem is, like, you're putting those guys in the offensive zone. You're hoping that they can score, and Nash is yeah, really I mean, Simmons has looked a lot more effective playing with Engvall and Mikheyev. I mean, they haven't scored, but they, they've played well. Like, they haven't, they haven't also haven't given up anything. That's the other thing, too, that we should say, Jonas, when we talk about the top line and we talk about Matthews and Marner and whatever, they haven't been on for a single 5-on-5 five five goal against in the whole series. No. So, you know, I, I know people are down on Marner's offensive contributions, but there have been some. They did score a goal in, in Game 5, and they haven't given up anything. They, I believe they've been on the ice. Uh, I think they've been on the ice for three goals, goals four, and none against, like you're saying. I believe. Like, that's... But like, like James, solid like, in five games. Sorry though, like small sample sizes don't matter. They, they don't. No, they don't. Like they have I agree to score. That they like, need to the, produce in game six, but they just do. It's like uh, I remember after last season that came up with Brendan Shanahan, and he said essentially that, like it's small sample size, but it, that's playoffs. Like that's the yeah, way it works. But and the, like, the Leafs were also talking about how low their shooting percentage was in that series and stuff like that too. So I mean the. They were seeing both things coming out of that Columbus series. I wouldn't mind, and I brought this up in our story together, I wouldn't mind if they just went Nealander, Matthews, Marner. Now, I know they have not used that very much, actually barely at all. Um, Game 5 was really the first time that they made like repeated efforts at doing it. But just with the way Nealander is going, and, and one of the things Keith brought up after the game is part of the reason Neander isn't playing as much because he doesn't play on that line. And that line plays a ton. Like they come out of a TV timeout. They play that line. They get an offensive zone face off. They play that line. Remember you know? earlier in the year, they were putting Thornton on that line 
you know, in the offensive zone and then Hyman on that line when it was in the defensive zone, you could think about doing yes. that sometimes, especially if, you, like if you're it. down a goal. Good idea. Yeah, good idea. Like it. Well, and, and, and honestly, James, this, this starting Wayne Simmons with Austin Matthews and Mitch Varner or, and, and Zach Hyman, it, like that, that's not needed. If you want to start anyone with those guys, start Neilander, get a goal. Like I, I just, that's another thing where it's just like, are we overthinking things? Are we trying to send a message? Like, what are we doing here? Like uh, that, that I, I think has gone, has run its course in my opinion. I think for the first time I've seen the fan base criticizing Sheldon Keefe's decisions a lot more here. This happens, like this is what happens with every coach. And this is yeah. what I knew would happen eventually with Sheldon Keefe because it happens with and every see coach. their like, tendencies. New and, coach. Yeah. yeah, exactly. New coach comes in, he does something different and you're like, Wow this is great. He's not doing things the way the old guy did it. And then eventually he does <laughs> and things he that you don't the agree with guy. and that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what happens. And it's so hard to stay an NHL coach in a market for like eight plus years. Like it hasn't happened in Toronto and like, since we've covered the team, like there's always been a, be- a you know, a best before date and guys haven't lasted very long. Well, I think one thing um, that's clear is obviously Jack Campbell will start game six, but to get back to Keith, like this is this is when you need your coach to kind of steady things, like when things get a little choppy. Um, and obviously, past playoff series have not gone the least way, but they're still in the driver's seat. They still have two games to win one, and they sh- should still win this series. And I know for fans, and and probably there's like got to be something in the back of the minds of some players who have been here. You're thinking, well, history is repeating itself. I, it's just not the same team. Like, I, I still expect them to win the series. You? Yeah. I mean, they're going to have two chances here. They're the better team. They've been the better team in the series. They've got more talent. They, If they can't get this done, boy, like, I, I don't know. I think I think they're going to win game six. I mean, they've got to come out and they've got to play their best game of the season in game six here. They do not want it to go to a game seven because anything could happen. Anything could happen. Any, anything could happen in a game seven. Like you don't want the Leafs are the favorite. I mean, the, I think the chance that Montreal wins a series is really, really low right now at this point still. I know that's going to make Leafs fans nervous and they, they don't like when here's the thing though. I don't think Jonas and I can jinx the team. Like we're, we're just trying to say what we think is going to happen. Like we don't, we're not invested in the outcome here. Like we've covered a lot of Leafs collapses. We'll cover another one if we need to. I think this will be Matthew's defining game as a Leaf. I think he has a huge game. That's my bold prediction that the best player maybe in the league during the regular season is going to have a great game when his team well, needs Well, he had a most. monster game earlier. What was it? Game two, I he think? Did. Game three? I think it was game three. Three. They're all blending together, but you know when Sheldon Keefe was, everyone was talking about. Yeah, game, that that sounds right. Game three. I, no follow up thoughts. Just crickets. I wonder if um, the crickets are only for bad puns. They're not for. You're not just going to litter the whole show with crickets. Any. It was game someone, two. Sorry, James. Anytime pause, someone pauses to gather their thoughts is not an opportunity for crickets. Game two. By the way. Good to know. A goal, two assists, three. Do points. you think? Uh, Arpin was saying he thought, you know, the fatigue would be a factor for the teams given it was three games in, in four nights. And I think that I think I think that was part that of was it. probably part of why Joe Thornton looked like he was fifty two years old instead of forty one or whatever he is. He did. He has looked old. Um they just didn't look sharp. Like that's the thing. Like there were all these little plays in the game where you're like wait, that's they not didn't look desperate either. Do. Like they didn't look like Yeah. 
Well, we'll see how they come out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Okay, James, before we get to the pod bag, I just want to remind people and remind you, James, to eat at your local restaurants. Today, when it's rainy and crappy and you don't feel like cooking is a perfect day to do that, we're definitely ordering takeout. What's like your go-to takeout thing? Is it pizza? Yeah, we get a, we actually get pizza every Friday night. So, the kid- Oh, the, very the good. Kids, we, we did that when I was growing up in BC. So, and- I love that tradition. That's, yeah. So, it's- and then the kids know that it's Friday and it's the weekend and it's you don't have to cook that day and you open a beer and yes you eat way too much <laughs> last last week um, I'm trying to think what the timeline was I think there was a there was a playoff game last anyway I don't know my, my family was gone on Friday and I just ordered two pizzas for myself and I ate like way too two pizzas I nice I didn't eat the whole thing but like I sat on our deck and it was beautiful out and I had a beer and I just ate a lot of pizza by myself. So that was, <laughs> I, I kept the tradition alive, even though my, my family wasn't home that day. So that was funny. What did you get on your pizza? Like, are you, I like like lots, like a bunch of different kinds of meat mix. Oh, mix, interesting. Meat lovers. Mix in some uh, mushrooms and green peppers. And I like, I really like, I like black olives. I like, I like to have a lot of toppings. All right. All right. Well, there's obviously lots of great pizza places in the city. Um, let's do pod bag. You ready? I am ready. Okay. Uh, CV wants to know, why do you think the Leafs have not learned how to play an elimination game? They make things hard on themselves, bring on added pressure by failing to capitalize. What can they do to change this going forward? It's, it's hard to win a series in five games. I mean, how many of the series around the league have ended in five games this year? There was, there was a sweep, uh, Colorado swept St. Louis. Um, I mean, the, the Leaf, this Leaf group of the Leafs has never won any kind of a series, let alone won quickly. I, I think, isn't the stat the Leafs haven't won a series in less than six games? And like, it, I think it goes way, way back. I can't even remember when the last one was. It was like 20 some years ago. Well, and I'm not sure how much you can connect like them not winning last night to pass because like a lot of the guys who were on those other teams actually had really pretty good games like Morgan Riley had a good game Matthews was pretty good Marner was okay Hyman was really good you know what I mean like Jake Muzzin obviously has only been here a couple I will agree with their their inability to close a series if they lose tomorrow in game six they need to win that game they need to they need a Jack Campbell to be a little bit better I think in game five too right like if they if they would have had another save then it could have been a different story. So well, and it's like a mindset thing too, right? Like it's it's coming out and saying we're the better team, we're winning this game, and like you'll be able to see it. Like we'll be able to see pretty early in the game what kind of response the Leafs are get are 
going to get. I'm sure they'll come out hard. I, I, if they don't, you and I are going to be going to be ripping them. Up late. The Leafs fans do not want to see this game seven. And Alex Howe asks, how many Leafs jerseys do you expect to see among the 2,500 fans in Montreal? I saw that. Did you see the... Uh, he also says is the fact there would be fans being there overhyped. I mean, it's it's something different to talk about. It's been a long time. You and I have not been at a game with fans since March of 2020, so it's been 15 months. It's been a it's been a it's been a long time. Like it's been a very it's been it's been probably the longest period in my entire life since I started going to hockey games when I was like seven years old <laughs> that I haven't been at a sporting event with fans. Um, how many Leafs jerseys do we expect? There's going to be some for sure. I, I imagine, I haven't seen how they offered the tickets out, but I imagine they offered them to Montreal season ticket holders first, but there's a lot of them on the secondary yeah. market. So I would think it's like some sort of lottery, but it can make a difference. Like you saw that first game with Florida and Tampa when they had fans, it, it almost looked like both teams just fed off the energy of the crowd. And even if it's 2,500, it's 2,500 more than before. And it's just, it just adds a different layer to the game. And I think it can be helpful for the road team as well. Just the, the added energy in the building. Like it's, we've talked about it so much. Like the energy in the building is, is not great when there's nobody in it. So it'll be interesting to see. Anthony Guzzo says, I've never been less worried as a Leafs fan. Matthew's over under for goals tomorrow night should be two and a half. He's going to go off. I expect a huge game from that line to carry us. Second. That's that. That's a fair prediction. Not being worried is interesting. I mean, there's a lot of fans that are still quite worried here right now. So, there's going to be some tense moments, I think, for the fan base here for game six. Um, <laughs> Mike Snow says, if we lose this series, why will I still watch this team in October? It's hard being a fan, mm-hmm. isn't it? I didn't, I didn't really difficult. enjoy it. I didn't really enjoy my my happiness being yoked to like a bunch of, you know, when, you know, I liked the Canucks in the nineties and like (laughs) there was a bunch of, there were jokers that owned the team and that were the GM and like, it was just a complete mess. I was like, why am I, why do I care about this? I think that was, it's a lot of emotions. That was when I, my fandom started to die and I became a soulless media member. Uh, oh, this one's off the board, but I'll read it anyway. Uh, Ty Cog says, I had a great time meeting players and staff and the media in Newfoundland at training camp. If you had to pick a spot in Canada for them to go next, where would it be? Where would you like the, the, the Leafs to go have training camp? I'd like to go see something different. We've seen, we've seen Halifax. I mean, for me personally, I would love them to go to BC, but that's pretty far for them to go. It would be great for me to, 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 to go somewhere at home, like go to like Penticton, like I know that a lot of the, a lot of the Western teams do, or go to, uh, why don't, why don't we go to Jasper or Banff or something like that? That would be awesome. I would be happy to go back to Newfoundland, honestly. that I had the best fish and chips of my life there. And the people were all so nice, like unbelievably nice. I had like some very, very... I, I went to like some amazing bars. I loved the... We did a live podcast there that was a lot of fun. Uh, there were some nights I was drinking till three in the morning and, you know, a whole bunch of the Leafs alumni were in the bar like acting ridiculous and it was... It was it was a very, it was a very, very, very good time. St. John's, I, I highly recommend people go to St. John's at some point in their life because it, it's and a it, good time. It did seem like the plans were for them to go back and then obviously 
the world changed. So we'll would see. Would you pick anywhere else? I'd like to see. I've never been to PEI. I would like to see PEI at some point. I've been to PEI. I love PEI. I'd go anywhere. Canada's is like Canada. What about if they went up There's to so like the north? Places. Wouldn't it be cool to go to like the Yukon or something at some point? Of course it would Yellowknife? Sure. Just have training camp in the middle of like Algonquin Park. Manitoulin Island. It's nice over there. Very good. Vancouver Island. Yeah, well. All right, next question, James. Eric wants to know, who's a player from years past you wish was on the team to help them? <laughs> <laughs> he says Kadri. Oh, man. He asks if it's Kadri. It's like, well, I don't think Kadri's helping Colorado right now, so. You know who I think they could use in a series like this? James Van Riemsdyk. He was so good on their power play. It's well, he was like, good in the in the playoffs too. He would he was one yes. of the guys that would step up and elevate. Uh, Sean Wilkin wants to know: Do the players hear the fake crowd noise? Oh yeah, it's terrible. It's really loud. Like in Game Five, it was it was quite loud and almost distracting. Like I don't know why it's so loud. You know what I don't like, Jonas? Is like, do you find this like in in the crowd noises? There's people whistling, and it's like sometimes I feel like it's the refs whistle, but I can't tell. And maybe yes, my, that like, happens hearing, a lot actually. Maybe my hearing sucks, but like it, I feel like there's like whistling all the time, and like I'm I'm like surprised that it doesn't bother the players. Like, why don't they just come up with crowd noise that isn't like people like like people don't whistle in the crowd? Why does it sound like that? So is the reason they don't want crowd noise so we can't hear what they're saying? That's the whole reason. I think it's because Drance was like tweeting everything that they were saying in the bubble in Edmonton, and and the league was not a big fan of that those stories that he was writing. But it was such like, was it really that bad? Like, I don't remember anything. I read those stories. I don't think. There were a lot of anatomical references and swear words. I, and I, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't get it. They really, I don't know. The league didn't like, didn't like that, uh, you know, as as far as I know. So I, I think that was at least one factor. But th- I mean, the thing is, is they cranked the noise up, right? Because like when it first came in, it wasn't. Now when you're in the building, it's like oppressive. It's so loud. Two more questions and we are rolling. Drew Boyu wants to know, I hope I got your last name right there, bud. Uh, other than Matthews, who steps up for the Leafs in game six? Let's, you want to get an unlikely hero? I'm going to say maybe Riley breaks through. I think That's who I was thinking too. Yeah, Riley, Riley looked like he could have had a goal there last night. And I, I could see him having a big, a, a big uh, offensive performance. Well, and as you noted when we were watching the game from the press box or the modified press box, he was very aggressive. Like he was trying to make things happen. And for our advanced stats friends, 81% expected goals from Morgan Riley in game five, leading the team. Brody, I love the way TJ Brody plays too, man. Like he, yep. he's just he's that's he's my kind of player with the way that he plays. Well, and he's one of those guys you need to watch him night after night after night after night to really appreciate it. And I think that's been the case. That guy for, for me. That guy is like a genius at making subtle plays to, and the way that he plays defensively too. He really takes away options from the other team really, really well yes. in like. I don't know if TV can capture it properly. He just, he covers the lanes so well and he takes away passes and shots and. Well, and you know what he isn't, James? He's not scared. Like there is no fear factor to him at all. He's he's like, he's got kind of that, what is it? Like the resting heart rate or something where he's just like very cool and like nothing seems to shake him. Read the feature that we did on TJ Brody. We came out in December and that to me, that's one of the best stories that you and I worked on that together. That's one of the best stories we've done in the last six months about this Leafs team. I had a lot of fun doing it and people that it didn't get read by, it came out like over the Christmas break. So I think a lot of people missed it, but that tells you everything you need to know about TJ Brody. 
You know, he's another guy who I, I would think, I mean, I, I kind of think Jack Campbell has a game. Um, I'll be curious to see how he responds, honestly, because we saw him kind of re- reverting back to the ways of the regular season where he really took too much blame. Like he blamed himself on the two on O overtime goal. Um, but he found a way during the regular season to kind of steady himself. And I kind of feel like he'll figure that out in game six. There is a lot of Mitch Marner questions. What's going on with Mitch? Is Mitch Marner hurt? Why does Marner disappear in the playoffs? There were the fan base is really wants to see more from Marner here. He's just felt a little tight. Like you remember that 2019, I believe it was, was it 2019 against Boston when he had the nine points or was that 2018? Um, I think it might've been 2018. Maybe it was 2018, but he was like so loose and like, yeah, carefree. Well, that's when he's his best is he, it seems like he's all over the ice and oh, yeah, you're right. Do you, think maybe, do you think maybe they're playing him too much and then he's getting like, it's hard for him to play, be as effective when he's out there so much? I mean, that's not an unfair question because he's playing, he's on their top power plays, on their top penalty killers, on their top line. All the minutes are hard. It's not an unfair question. Obviously, he played a ton during the regular season. I don't know. I, I, I think it's a, a reasonable question. I just don't know the answer. A lot of people want, you know, the stuff we've been talking about on this podcast. Nylander to play more, change up, the, change up that line, give Nylander a chance on that line. Uh, Chris Mack wants to know my dad's thoughts on game six. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if dad sent me. Uh, he was giving us, he said he really enjoyed the last podcast with the cricket sounds. So <laughs> he said, he said you should have more sounds. So I need like a big soundboard and I can just hit the, here's my, my dad's thoughts during the game. He texted me, whoa, yeah. And then he said, price has a big five hole. And then he said, oops which I think was the Galchenyuk goal. Those are the only texts I got from him. I was working, so I wasn't talking to him. So That's about right. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good description of the game. What was the one that with the five hole? That was one of the goals they obviously scored. I guess that was the one that Muzzin tipped in. Yes. Yeah. I, I miss watching hockey with my dad. He's a lot of fun. I grew up watching games with him. and So... All right, well, if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash report to get a subscription. There's tons of great content, Leafs and otherwise. Um, James, I, we'll be back regardless, I would think, after game six. I would think. Let's do it. Yeah, as long as we can fit it in on, on Sunday. So, yeah. I think that if the Leafs win Saturday, it sounds like round two against Winnipeg starts on Tuesday. So, there'll be a couple days off. So, there'll be a, some time for us to do. Uh, we should, we'll have to, well, I don't want to, people get mad if I jinx anything. But we, there might, we might have a couple of podcasts we can fit in before the next series starts. Okay. Well, we'll see how the Leafs respond in game six. Um, stay well, everyone. Thank you for listening and eat at your local restaurants and yeah local grab a businesses. pizza on friday night join the myrtle yeah. tra- join the myrtle tradition we call it takeaway friday bye james <laughs>